Good morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you're watching our podcast. Welcome to the Do More of Your Money uh, podcast, episode 133. I can't believe we've got to this uh, stage. Um, joined by uh, um, some esteemed colleagues uh, today. I think we've got some uh, got some people back who came back by request, um, and then we've got some that had no choice. So uh, welcome, uh, Craig Almond, pension transfer specialist. Good to see you again, uh, Craig. Uh, back by popular demand. Uh, demand. Uh, George, portfolio manager, and um, George Bell, and then Sophie. I think you were. I think the last time you did the podcast, you talked about your dog, yeah. um, and you were meant to bring it on. You were meant to bring the dog with you, so we'll maybe bring that in later on. But joined by Sophie Bennett, senior client manager. Good to see you all. I think we should. Um, are you going to bring your dog in later on? Oh, I don't know. He's, he's not. It's not very good with the toilet training. So oh, I'll right. leave that one for now. Right. There, there was a request from a, a viewer, so we'll have to think about that. Um, Maybe later on another time, but uh, interesting. I can't believe we're on the, the 1st of September, actually. Uh, I keep saying I can't believe I can because it was the 31st of August yesterday, but um, this year has flew. This month has flew. Lots have happened, George. Um, I know we've got some um, an extended um, morning markets this morning, but I think it's just worth just talking a little bit about um, what's happened uh, in the last week, George, from an investment perspective, if you can, please. Yeah, absolutely. I could talk about the month of August for, for quite a while because quite a lot did happen. Um, but let me keep it brief. So essentially, it was a, a great start to the month. We were pulling away from the strong performance, which we saw come through in July. Um, and then we hit the mid part of the month. And essentially, you had a number of inflation prints coming out, which were just demonstrating that inflation is higher than analysts were expecting. It's also broader. It's a little bit more sticky and it's coming down at a slower pace. So we had conversation from central bankers. We didn't actually have any formal meetings from the key central bankers during the month because they were away on summer break, but essentially a lot of conversation which created a sense that central banks are gonna be more hawkish in terms of their approach, which basically means they're gonna continue raising rates and they're gonna continue offloading bonds from their balance sheets to cool, cool inflation in that respect. So some of the key events there, we had um, the UK inflation prints, we had the US inflation prints. We also had Jackson Hole, which is the US Economic Forum, um, which a bit, a, a, again, Jerome Powell, the central bank governor, set the tone in terms of what he expected, but it wasn't a formal uh, guidance meeting. So that created a little bit of volatility through the markets. We felt it in bond markets. We also felt it in, in stock markets as well. The war in Ukraine continued to push on in terms of the energy uh, price challenges that we're, we're facing into Europe and at this point in time you've got Nord Stream 1 which is closed for a period of maintenance so um, we've seen energy prices in that respect push higher although oil prices have moderated so it's primarily been the gas component element and we felt that in the UK in terms of the move with the off-gem energy price cap just, just last week. And just sort of feeding into that discussion, we've also got um, the, the political debate here in the UK in terms of the next Tory leader. And that's creating a little bit of volatility in terms of uh, sterling. So actually sterling fell around 5% relative to the dollar on the month. And just for context, that's one of the biggest moves which we've seen since the Brexit referendum vote in 2016 for a single month. Now, essentially, why is the volatility? Because you've got a government who are trying to please the electorate. They're trying to find a way in which they can support the consumer, and that's likely to be through fiscal support. At the same time, you've got central banks further down the road trying to control inflation and raise interest rates to, to manage that, that, that challenge there. So 
a little bit of volatility which fed through into into sterling assets uh, through the course of the month but i think there were also a number of prints which perhaps didn't get the full due attention so for example the us inflation prints we did start to see some softening in the core inflation print which suggests that we could be seeing signs that we're nearly at that peak in terms of US inflation prints and then US inflation prints could start to moderate in terms of that that change. We also had strong jobs data out of the US. Chris on Morning Markets yesterday highlighted that for every um, available worker in the US available to, to get out there and change jobs, there's two postings out there for them. So they've got a huge amount of choices, a huge amount of demand for labour at this point in time. Chinese government, they stimulated their economy again. They reduced the cost of mortgages. And also we had the US Statement of Protocol signed, which again, broadly went under the carpet, but it's something which we've been discussing, even on this podcast for a number of years. Essentially, it's allowing US accountancy practice boards to go and audit Chinese companies which are listed in the US. And this has been a huge amount of saber rattling between Trump and Xi Jinping, and then it's been handed over to Joe Biden. I think it could be a big step forward in in that respect and it's something to one of those longer term data points just to to take a bit of credit from in terms of um, progress um, within the month of August and as I say there was no formal meetings from the central bankers um, so a lot of conversation which led to that volatility September we get back on track we've got central bankers back we've got meetings scheduled we'll get some formal guidance in terms of their view on economic growth inflation employment and what are they going to do about policy to put put some of these concerns to rest? So a lot going on in August. I could have went on and on, mm. but that's that's some of the the key points. Yeah, I think it's a September is an interesting time. Um, yeah. Lots going on as obviously in the in the UK, new prime minister. Yeah. Um, I think it's interesting with the the gas and electricity prices. And I know personally, I kind of went through that process of looking. You know, I was one of these people where I switched my gas electricity beforehand. That company went into administration and then got moved to one of the major gas and providers. I went from paying sixty pounds a month to two hundred and I think I'm now two hundred and seventy pounds yeah. a month. Yeah. And there's likely more increases to happen. Um, obviously in October. Well, there is in October and next year. So I think that that'd be a, an interesting um, point to deal with. It's from, a funny, funny one, gas, session. because in terms of the metric that you use to measure the price of gas. You know, everybody understands how much a barrel of oil costs yeah. because it's a physical barrel and yeah. you can picture it. If you were to say what's the barrel equivalent of a of gas in that respect, so you've got oil, which is just under $100 a barrel yeah. at this point in time. We did some work and it looked that if you take a barrel of European gas, it's around $500. Mm-hmm. So it's five times the price of a barrel of oil. And that's, that's the wash through that we're seeing in terms of those inflation prints. Yeah. And it's a much bigger problem in Europe than it is in the States because the States took the initiative many years ago to um, invest heavily in this sector. So they're much more self-sufficient. They're actually exporting gas. Yeah. Um, whilst here in the UK and in Europe, which much more dependent upon those imports. And that's why closing down Nord Stream 1 and yeah. the, the you know what's it going to look like when that reopens, that's, that's created quite a bit of conversation in markets. Yeah. Interesting. Thanks, George. I think... Um Hopefully, as I said, just a little bit of a plug to the, the Morning Markets video, yeah. which I believe you're, you've done this morning as well. So this is your second stint. It is, yeah. Um, I've got the same tie on as well. <laughs> yeah, so just get that one in. Yeah, yeah just right. so people don't realise you wear the same suit and tie all the time. <laughs> uh, they were shot in the, in the same sort of yeah. uh, period. Um, okay, back to the, the title of the podcast today, which is 
do you need a million pounds in your ISA? And uh, Craig and I, before the, the podcast, we were talking about this because a little bit different to, um, we, we ran a, a podcast recently about, you know, do you need a million pounds in your pension? Yep. And it's a little bit different from an ISA perspective, Craig. So we kind of, we worked at the numbers. Um, you need to put about 10,000 pounds in a year uh, for 37 years. And we're kind of looking at growth rates of between sort of um, four and 5% to, to hit that, that million pound target. So, if you're 30 year old and you start to save at that point, you, at 67 year old, you could you could have a million uh, pounds in your ISA. Quick talk about that. That's kind of rather than talk about the value. Let's talk about the benefits of you know of an ISA. Um, yeah. And then maybe let's let's just bring in because I think this is what, what I'd rule out. I always when I talk in, in these podcasts and talk about products, you, I always think that you have to have a mix of ISA and pension personally, um, which is the way I invest in myself. But let's just talk a little bit about the ISA section and then maybe just moving to. Yeah, so ISA versus pensions really common. So what you'll have primarily, everyone has a savings account. Most mm. people have an auto roman pension, but after them two, the two by far and away the two most popular mm. products are an ISA and also mm. a personal pension. So when we look at them two, there's a number of benefits to both. There's also a couple of disadvantages to both, and I think there two conversations will come up relatively commonly with clients. So I had a conversation the other day off the top of my head. Um, like I was thirty five, looking to put five hundred pounds a month into a regular contribution. So we, we looked first time, we said, right, we could look at a pension. So he's got a 30-odd years till he's retiring, £500 a month. You're thinking, right, OK, so he's got a long term there to go. He's going to get tax relief on the front end. He's going to get tax-efficient growth. And then when he accesses the pension on the back end, he's going to get tax efficiency there again, which sounds great and, it, and is a very good product for a lot of people. However, if you invest in that sort of money over that sort of time, the big restriction for him being 35 is he can't then go and access that fund until minimum pension age, which is age 55. So when you're looking at it from that perspective, it's a bit of a red flag because he's contributing a lot of money over that period. He then is limited to how he can actually take that money back out, which is a big problem for him. So then we look at ISAs. ISA, you can adopt the same investment approach. You can use the two potential portfolios aligned to what risk you want to take. Exactly the same way you would in a pension, but you've got that flexible access from now all the way up to age 55 and beyond. And I think for somebody who's a number of years away from retirement, an ISA is potentially a better strategy because of that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because... Um if we just look at the ISA flexibility and start off on, on the ISA from um, from a positive perspective, uh, yes, you get the tax-free growth. That's obviously a, a major positive to it. Um, you are restricted to how much you can put in, yep. similar to a pension, but it's it's effectively half yep. uh, from that from that perspective. But there is there is that element of um, being able to withdraw in a, in a tax year. Talk a little bit about that, Craig, where you can... Um, yeah, so just, how you, the withdrawal options. Yeah, so just touching on contributions firstly, I know you kind of touched on it, like £20,000 is maximum at Renaissance, mm-hmm. whereas £40,000 within a pension relative to how much you earn, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have got the benefits of carry forward and so on, which we're not going to go into too much detail today. Um, but in terms of drawing on your, your pension, whatever you take from a pension after age 55, 25% is tax-free. Mm-hmm. The remainder is taxable at your marginal rate. So you, you can be clever and play around and use tax-free cash to supplement your, supplement your income and, and boost it in a massively tax-efficient way. But within an ISA, you can draw on that at any time free of tax. And obviously, any growth that you've made on the pension, there's no gains mm-hmm. tra- attacked as there would be in a general investment account. Um, so, yeah, it's massively... If you're, a, let's say, a high-rate taxpayer and you're looking to take a top-of-tier income... Accessing a pension, sorry, accessing a pension could incur potential charges, particularly if you're using a crystallised fund. Whereas in an ISA, you can top that up mm-hmm. with no implications down the line. So they are massively tax efficient and massively tax advantageous for people, especially if you've got the capital to put money in. You mentioned ten thousand pounds there is a contribution of a 30, 30, 37 years to get a million, which is a lot of money, and you're not getting the added benefits from a contrib- from an employer contribution. But you know, it demonstrates that 
the more you put in um, over a longer period of time, the benefits of compounding. You can build yourself a big isopot, which you can then use mm. to supplement in the future. It's, I think that's positive. I think it's actually just just the simple maths for, for compounding, because I think £10,000, for especially when you're younger, can be a lot of money yeah, to, to put away, and, and most people probably won't be able to, to afford doing yeah. that. And as you get on later on in life, you, you know, as you... As your children leave and you're most paid off, you can start to afford that. So yeah. the difference of, of combat, it can make a, a big difference. Yeah. Yeah. We looked at the start of my basic assumption was, well, to, to put a million pound in a pension, you get 20,000 a year, so you need 50 years to do that. But yeah. the, the difference is actually you can save a lot less, yeah. um, you know, just by... Well, you can see without compounding 10,000 pound over 37 yeah. years, it's 370,000, yeah. It's huge. Nearly tripling your money by mm. having it in it. Obviously, there's always, a, with stocks and shares, I suppose, primarily, you're going to get the premium investing in equity-backed mm -hmm. um, instruments, and I think that's an important thing to make. When people think of ISAs, they think of savings accounts, um, and that, that's the conversation that you normally have, oh, I've got an ISA with the bank. Mm -hmm. Well, actually, that's just a cash account which has a tax wrap around it, and it's not particularly advantageous because your money's not going to work for you. You're not going to do more with your money, and, and I think if you're back in... If you put your money in equity backed kind of markets uh, in, in investments, you're gonna you're gonna attract a premium on them savings. Yeah, I think that is because you're looking at ISAs at the minute, even with increased um you know increased rates, you're still talking one one and a half percent, and that's probably so, being yeah. generous yeah. within a cash ISA. Uh, George, what have we done within the portfolios over the last sort of four or five years? And if we just had a balanced investor, which is probably the majority of our our viewers. Yeah, so after after portfolio charges, balanced investor, annualized, we've done about. 5.4 percent yeah. so you're so. getting a little bit more so it's, it's it's actually a reasonable assumption to, to say on that basis yeah, I think yeah. especially over a longer period of five percent benchmark for a balanced investor is probably about mm. where where, the, where you'd look to especially based on the metric that we have um so i think you know short-term volatility is one mm. thing but over a 37 year period it, it's it's a reasonable return to yeah. aim for and i think we just i always think that you know because we're kind of talking about numbers here to get to a certain big number but yep. I personally think actually just start saving is a is a is a big thing. Sophie, we'll come over to you just to talk about, about the technology, yeah. the client side. So, what can consumers do? What can clients do when it when it comes to um, you know sort of goal setting within the, the their own websites? Yeah, there's loads of goal setting tools on the website in terms of you know if you do have a big goal in mind like a million pounds like we just talked about, mm. you can pop that in to your policy this is my goal and it's going to tell you this is how much you need to contribute for how many years. If your goal's a lot a lot smaller than that, it would do the exact same thing. Um, mm. It would even prompt you, oh, you should put this much in a month. You can then click and set up a direct debit mm. to put in that much a month so you don't have to think about it. Or for me personally, I prefer to use Impulse Save at the minute, mm. um, depending on maybe how much you have left at the end of the month. Mm. If you want to put in an extra £50, an extra £100, really quick and it'll then show how that's impacted your goal. And like if you're getting there a bit quicker mm -hmm. um, and what it's all on a nice easy graph so where you are where you want to be how long it's going to take you to get there so it does it all for you so you don't have to think about it really yeah and i think it, it is a screen what i would say is that don't be uh, so don't be worried about having a gap to a goal um it depends on the type of save you are as i said we always categorize this but there's there's people starting their saving journey there's people who are in the middle of their savings journey in terms of Maybe, maybe, you know, thinking about I want to retire 10, 15 years and we've got people that are retired. So, you know, you, you could your gap could be big as it starts, but actually gets closer as you're able to afford to put more money in. Um, it's, it's interesting. I'm going through that stage of life where, you know, earlier on in life, I was I was OK. I was OK. I then had a, a two. I then had a child um, and now everything's <laughs> now. I'm all of a sudden a little bit worse off than I was. Um, but I know that'll get easier as I get older. Uh, 
but it's yeah, it's amazing how expensive the expensive children can be. Um, it's his, it's his birthday next week, and I think he's now got a scooter. That actually, he's probably got more more apparatus than I have, um, and he's wanting to buy a, a slide and everything in the garden, etc. So I won't be saving a million pound in the nice. I don't think it'll be be do with kids' toys. Um, I th- if we talk about you know just a little bit off subject there. Let's just talk about the withdrawal benefits of a pension versus an ISA, because Craig, you mentioned, you know, really well there in terms of actually the flexibility, because sometimes you can save and then something happens and then, you know, that you might need access to that money on a short term basis. So if I probably actually ask you this, Sophie, if I wanted to get money out of my ISA, what's the difference between doing that from my ISA to my pension with your potential? Yeah, so like discussed before, um, there can be potential tax liabilities, you know, if, if, especially if your pension's crystallised. Mm. Um, whereas with your ISA, there isn't going to be any tax liabilities. You can take money mm. as you want. Um, and we also offer a flexible ISA. Mm. So you can, you know, take it out and put it back in mm. within the same tax year. And um, that's not the same for all providers, mm. um, but it is for us. So often when people save, you know, or, you know, if they're in between buying properties and things like that, mm. they might want to take a big withdrawal while they're waiting for the property to sell or, you know, buying and selling cars, they can pop that straight back in. Um, you know, so they've not lost that ISA allowance that they've been sort of building up year by year. And um, if they do so in the same tax year, um, which is obviously mm. a really big benefit, especially for long-term savings that you might need to dip into now and again. Mm. But, you know, you don't want to sort of lose all that progress you've made over the years. Yeah, I think that ties in as well to pensions. So even, let's say, you're after age 55, you can access your pension. Once you've took money out of your pension and crystallised it, it's then pretty difficult to put it back in. So if you take it when it's flexibly from a money purchase pension, you trigger what's called a money purchase annual allowance, which means that you can't put more than, I think it's £4,000 into your pension thereafter, whereas you could take money out of your ice and put it back in, and I think that's a big thing for consideration. I think that's important to say, actually, Craig, so you know, if, I'm t- if I take money out of my pension you know, over my tax-free cash, yeah. and I currently have a, a £40,000 limit, yeah. um, obviously... D- depending on what you earn. Yeah. Um, if you take out that, you've said it reduces to four, and I think this is something you need to consider, especially yeah, if you're still working. It, yeah, it is a big thing, and I think it's it's one which doesn't sound, it's probably not a thing which a lot of people have heard of, money purchase and allowance, it's probably not something which springs to people's minds, but it's quite a common scenario in retirement. Let's say you're 63, you're taking a flexi-access drawing for your pension, you're withdrawing a regular income as you would. As soon as you access your pension in a flexible manner, that kicks into place, and then you can't there go and invest sums of money that you'd look, like to. So we have a client the other day who was in her 60s, inherited £20,000 from a relative. She then can't put that money in a tax-efficient manner into a pension because she'd incur a tax charge on anything in excess of £4,000, having triggered the money purchase annual allowance, mm-hmm. whereas she could then go and put that £20,000 in an ISA, and she's getting the tax-free environment that we've already talked about with the ability to access it as when required, but also she's going to adopt the same strategy as she is within her pension for the legacy for her family. And that was her main goal with that. She's inherited, she doesn't need it, I'll give it for my, for my kids. But at the same time, if I need access to it, I can then go and do that. And I think an ISA in that scenario is the, the perfect kind of thing. And it sounds sort of niche, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of clients in retirement who inherit or come into money later on in life. And it's a, probably the, the most perfect um, tax wrapper or investment approach to adopt, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that um, if we just kind of go back to the how to get to a million pounds, uh, from that, I think the the discipline of of, of saving into a pension yeah. um, that you can't take out can make it a little bit easier, but you can yeah. be disciplined with an ISA as well in terms of that that regular savings amount. Yeah, I think obviously with you, the big thing about a pension for a lot of people now is you have auto enrolment. They always have auto enrolment myself as true potential, so it's kind of a subconscious investing. You're doing it without actually having to commit money to it every month. So 
changing the mentality into an ISA is you have to then go and set up an ISA and put money in. It's not already set, created for you as an open rolling scheme would be. So it's getting into a, um, a routine of, of investing money, and I think the earlier you do it, the better. And also we talked about putting £10,000 in. It doesn't have to be £10,000. It could be anything. As long as people are saving, trying to close the savings gap, as is commonly referred to, it's getting that um, getting that routine, getting that behaviour in place, and it becomes kind of second nature, as you do with your open enrolment scheme. You don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And I think building a nest egg for the future, the, the earlier the better, um, and, and you can always make it up. So let's say you can't afford £10,000 a year now, you could certainly make it out over time and then put more than £10,000 in when you pay off your mortgage and you can catch up pretty quickly um, when you've got some term left. Yeah, I think that, that is an important point because it's, it's not just like a, for initial savers, it can be for... Yeah, anyone. Yeah, for anyone. And, and actually put lump sums into into these types of products when you, you know, if it, if it does come like in the in likes of bonuses or, or inheritance, etc. Um, the effect of that compound over 20 years. But as I said, there's, there's a... There's a obviously benefits to that as well as obviously the the regular savings um area what what would you recommend to people if they're, if they're looking at this because obviously we're talking about you know gas prices etc and others before but, but what would you how would you assess someone craig to say right you, this is how much i should put into my investments how would you do that from a from an advice perspective yeah so when you look at clients and obviously every investment decision is dictated by client circumstance mm-hmm. so you've got to understand a what the client's doing what they've got what they're spending but also what sort of risks they want to take as well um, the primary thing for us would be say, right, what's your essential out- outgoings? And again, as we've talked about gas prices, energy prices are potentially going to increase. They may they might increase next year and, and therefore. And so we need to kind of factor that in terms of budgeting as well. Then we need to look at discretionary and, and luxury expenditure. Everyone likes to go on holiday. People like how leisure spending, go out with friends, go for a pint or whatever it may be. You need to place all that in. And I think budgeting is a massive thing. Once you've got a budget in place, you then got a disposable amount at the end. It's then the question of what you do with that disposable income. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when you start to have the conversations about ISAs versus pensions that we've already talked about. Um, but that's how we would start with breakdown, fundamental expenditure, discretionary expenditure, and luxury expenditure. And whatever we've mm-hmm. got left, that's where the conversation starts with regular investing. Mm-hmm. But I would, urge, I would um, urge clients to have a look at what they're spending, where they can save, and, and ultimately pull in what they can afford. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Great. Yeah, it's in, I'm reading a book at the minute which is talk talks about um, it's, it depends on the, like your stage of your investing part in your life, and I think this is where you you can obviously take pension and, and ice out of it and just actually look at savings. And you find that a lot of people who are sort of younger and saving, they spend a lot of time looking at actually where they should invest in, and actually that doesn't make much difference because there's not a big pot to grow. Um, and and actually, all you should worry about is is the, the actual title is just keep saving. So just just keep saving, um, saving your into your investments, and trying and you're trying to build that pot to the point where, as you get older and you get that bigger pot, that's when you need to consider, you know, yeah, actually the risk where you're invested, etc. And I think you know we've got a, a good home for both of those options. I think you probably probably agree, George, because you because you're managing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's also worth touching on you know what what we actually mean by compounding because you know you can talk about a fixed level of return on a mm. on a sum of money but what we're talking about with compounding is the fact that that amount of money should hopefully grow and grow each year and you you multiply and the the benefits of that growth over time and you know essentially what we're doing within our portfolios is we're we're investing in risk assets so you're in the market you're in equities you're in bonds you're not just restricted to, to those two assets we've got um alternatives we've got you know precious metals gold uh, currency, a range of different assets which we're investing in to seek out opportunities for for growth, and that 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 that's the objective. It's growth at a lower level of volatility for for our clients, and 
essentially what you know what why is this important it's it, it well it's important because if it depending upon your time scale which you have available um clients will often get sort of fixated on what's happening in the market at that point in time and what our strategy is all about is seeking out opportunities for growth at all points in time so although you may look at a market in a challenging year and think well should i invest or should i not well essentially what you're doing is you're buying units at a lower cost which enhances your opportunity for compounding effects to, to wash through for you so um you know it, it's back to your point there jamie about just having that discipline that 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 sort of behavioral aspect of having regular regular uh, savings regular investments into yeah. the market yeah no certainly well i think we've uh, we've covered quite a bit there and i think you and i being um Pension men of, uh, of, 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 of pension men, pension man. You could like a superhero, um, but no, basically that that you know kind of ices are a great product, and yeah, I think definitely. there's there's benefits to both. This is the key thing, but actually the saving, just saving's the important thing, and if you're wanting to build a pot of that size, you've got to. I think you know my view is you've got to balance life. You've got to, you have to, you know, you've got to live your life as well as be able to live your life once you retire. So you've got to, it's, it's a fine balance and that regular saving element is definitely the, the way to do that. I'm going to start calling you pension man, actually. I know how I've much you like that. I've been called Jamie, so. Uh, yeah, that's, that's true. Um, George, will just finish off. I think September is going to be a bit of a an interesting month. I know we talked about this before, but what are the areas that our investors should be looking at in September? What are the sort of news headlines you think they'll you'll be looking at from a from your point of view. Yeah, well, c- c- coming from, you know, today all the way through into next week, a lot of the, the front page of the papers is going to be discussing what's happening with the UK Tory yeah. leadership and it'll be back to their policy to tackling the energy mm-hmm. situation. Um, if they're thinking about this in terms of what impacts them at home, then, you know, I fully appreciate mm-hmm. that discussion. But in terms of how we're investing client money, it's an international investment portfolio. The bigger topic on the global stage is around central banks, inflation and growth. So as I say, this month we'll be getting back on track in terms of we will be having those formal central bank meetings. We'll get more guidance and that's what we'll be um, bringing our clients up to date with throughout our morning markets on our podcasts. The discussion around central banks raising rates isn't new to us on the investment team. We've been discussing and planning for this for around the last 18 months and we've been positioning portfolios for this Um so essentially what we're looking for is the evolution in the guidance but behind that we're working with teams who are based all around the world um you know have very close observations on the central banks and um the projections from those and that all feeds into to all of the information that we have here on the desk and um implement in terms of our view strategy and positioning for portfolios great and i think that let, let's just plug more on markets again actually because if you you know if you just want a very quick snapshot of what's happened for the day and what's going on, it it personally you know what you most days um, it just gives you that little bit of extra information if you just want to kind of know from the media because it's it's really difficult to interpret the to interpret markets if you watch the the news at this minute in time. Yeah, um, so that's what we try and do. We try and bring information from all sorts of different sources um, and just centralize it, strip out the jargon, and just give you a consistent format of unbiased yeah. news and information in a short short space okay. of time. Great. Um, I'll just finish off. Obviously, we've got a, a week to go at the Great North Run. I know, I'm, is anyone else running in this room? Have you ever run it before? Yeah, I did it a few years back. Did you? It's yeah. a fantastic day. Um, I'm at a wedding on the day, um, in which yeah. it's happening. But <laughs> yeah. uh, 
That was so hard put me through Valid excuse. Valid <laughs> excuse. No, I, um, I'm doing it this year. I was, unfortunately, I was due to do it last year and I was, I was really poorly the day before, which meant I couldn't do it. So I did a lot of training. So when you do all that training, you can't do it. I was, yeah. I was devastated. So I am, um, I'm doing it this year, this year again. How's your training going? Um, really well, actually. I did, um, I've been running to work as, um, as obviously our viewers don't know where I live, but I live about, tw- about, about 10 mile away. Right. Um, so I've been getting up early, having some breakfasts, doing a bit of work and then, and then running into work and then getting here and everyone thinks I'm mad. Um, but it's been, no, it's been really good. Did, um, so I did 12 and a half mile. That was the, the last one I did. I think that's probably enough. I don't think I'll do another big, mm-hmm. a big stint. Um, but I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm hoping to get under 150. I've done it before. I did 156 and I'm yeah. here for 150. Yeah. Uh, I kind of said, I hope I just beat Greg, but, um, cause what he said to me last year, um, I think I'd be all right with that one now. No, it's good. I would say we do. Well. I think it's a, it's a great charity. We do we do it for the Sunshine Fund. If there any of our viewers, we'll, we'll put the link on there. But we do it for the the Sunshine Fund. There's there's a few of us from from True Potential doing it this year. Um, great local charity uh, provides specialized equipment for um, children with disabilities. Um, so it's a, it's a really good cause, and, and it's great because um, TP basically any pound that we get donated to TP double it. So. Mm-hmm. Um, really helps them. I'm really looking forward to it. It's a great race. If anyone hasn't done it before, um, there is people all 13 mile on yeah. both sides of the roads. It's a, it's a fantastic, it's a fantastic event. So very much looking forward to that. Best of luck to you. Yeah. yeah. And very much looking forward to reducing the amount of running I'm doing as well as many time <laughs> for, from next week. So great. Well, um, thank you all. I think that was a really useful, uh, hopefully useful podcast for everyone. Uh, we'll, we'll wrap that up there. Please uh, like, and subscribe. But uh, thank you very much. Hope everyone has a, a great weekend. Thank you. If you're interested in taking your investing to the next level or would like to know more about the options available to you when you retire, then download our free guides to ICES and pensions. These are available in the video description below.